0: How many of you have ever started something and then about halfway through gave up? Right? I mean, come on. In in our lives, it's easy to begin something. It's easy to get the idea, well, I really ought to do this or that or whatever. But sometimes in life, just because we begin well does not mean we finish strong. So what I want to talk to us about over the next several weeks is I want to talk to us about how not only to begin well, But I want to help you to finish strong uh, in this year in which God has given us to live. So would you take your Bibles and turn to the book of Luke, the 14th chapter. It's kind of going to be our foundation scripture for this entire series. And as you're turning there, let me greet our campuses and tell each and every one of them I'm glad you're joining with us today. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries. And we're excited about what's happening in each and every campus. And we're glad that you're there today. But now we're believing that as I preach that you're going to receive what God has for you and that God is going to do something in your life today as we go into the Word of the Lord. So let's look at God's Word together. The book of Luke, the 14th chapter, verse 28, 29, and 30 says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest, after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it, Began to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Now I want to tell you, that's not something I want said about my life. I don't know about you. I don't want to begin something really well and then and then fall off about halfway through it. So we're going to be talking about how not only to get it going but how to keep it going and how to see it come to fruition in our lives over the next few weeks. We're going to be looking, and if you want to go there to the book of Nehemiah, the Old Testament book of Nehemiah, we're going to be looking at Nehemiah's life because I think that he epitomizes someone who not only began well, but also finished strong. And so we're going to be looking at how he counted the cost, how he thought it through, all the things uh, that were in Nehemiah's life. Now each week I'm going to give you one word that we're going to kind of key off of uh, that we can put into our lives and can help us. And so the word this week is the word positioning. And you say, well, I don't understand. Well, just write it down and we'll explain it to you uh, as we go along. Positioning is kind of a business term, but it's not just a business term. It's also a life term of of where you've got to get. And so as you begin to read Scripture, if you're you're in the book of Nehemiah, uh, the first chapter is kind of the opening salvo of Nehemiah and his life. And so the 11th verse is where we want to begin today, and then we'll kind of back up a little bit and pick up some other things. But would you look in the 11th verse, and here's what Nehemiah said. He said, "Oh Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name, and let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now this man he's talking about is the king. So he said, grant grant him mercy in the sight of the king. And then he kind of gives a little explanation of who he was. He said, for I was the king's Cupbearer. Now here's what Nehemiah is doing. Nehemiah is positioning himself to receive what God has for his life. But he he looks at his life and he says, This is where I'm at. Now we read that he's the cupbearer for the king. We go, well, what's that all about? Well, at the very best, he's the servant to the king. At the very worst, he's a slave to the king. All right? Now, here's, here's what a cupbearer did. A cupbearer got to eat everything that the king ate i mean can you imagine you you're a servant you're a slave you're living in in the king's palace you get to sit down with the king you get to eat what he's eating the problem is though if you're the cupbearer, what that means is is that you eat it first i'm <laughs> explain that to you in that day there were always always enemies to the king there was always somebody trying to kill the king. And so the cupbearer is the last line of defense for the king. And so every time Nehemiah got to eat all that good food, there was always in the back of his mind going, I wonder if this is going to be my last meal. So, you know, we look at it and go, well, that was great. It was great, but it was also nerve-wracking to be in that place in the king's palace. But Nehemiah is quite honest about where he's at and who he is. Now, I want to tell some of us today, I want you to hear me carefully. You've got to learn to be totally honest about where you're at. We've got too many people lying to themselves. Now, have you ever heard the term, you need to fake it before you make it? Ever heard that? That is not in the Bible. We've got too many people faking that they're making more money than they're really making. And they're faking driving the wrong cars, living in the wrong houses, and wearing the wrong clothes. Because if you're only making $500 a week, you can't spend 1000 a week. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is going to be a fun series. See, there's got to come this understanding that we, we've got to be totally honest. Nehemiah didn't say, well, I was in the palace, and I was a mighty man of valor, and I was a great man of God. And I was, no, no, he just says, I was in the king's palace, yes, but I was a servant. I was a cupbearer to the king. But what we have to understand is this positioning is all about where I am at the moment. Where am I right now? That's what positioning is all about. But what you need to understand is wherever you are right now is temporary. You're not going to be there six months from now. You're not going. People say, well, you know what, Pastor? Uh, You know, things are are just kind of rough. Things are just kind of tough in my life. Hang on. It's going to get better. Pastor, everything's wonderful right now. Hang on, it's going to get worse. (laughs) Wherever you are, it's temporary, and you have to understand that as you're moving in the kingdom of God and what God has for you. Now, here's what I want to tell you. It does not matter how bad it is or how great it is. You can go anywhere God destines you to go from where you are right now. You, wherever it is, you can be a servant in the king's palace and you can become a mighty leader or you can be the king and you can go for whatever, wherever you are, you can move into what God destines and what God wants for you. We've, we've got too many people living that what if syndrome. You know what I found out about people? Wherever they go, there they are. People say, well, if I could just go over here, if I could just go over there, if I could just, you know, marry that woman, if I could just get that guy, if I could just, well, glory. But wherever you go, there you are. And so what we've got to come to is is to stand in that place and say, wait a minute, Nehemiah knows that he is a slave, but he knows that God has placed a burden upon him that is going to make a difference, not just in his life, but in the life of so many people who are yet to come. And so Nehemiah says, look, here's the position I'm in. I'm a slave, but I want you to know that I am believing God, that I'm going to have mercy, that I'm going to have grace, and that God is going to give me in the sight of the king everything that I need when I get there. And, and so when you begin to look at that, you begin to understand some things. So I, I want to share with you uh, what positioning involves out of this first chapter. So would you back up a little bit in this first chapter? And let's read there uh, in verse number 2 and verse number 3. It says, Hanani, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, The survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and in reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. Now, now here's what they're telling Nehemiah. It's a mess. All right, can I just break it down for you? It's bad. It's about as bad as it can get. And yet, Nehemiah senses something at this moment. Here's what positioning involves. First thing that positioning involves is what God puts in your heart. When God positions you, He places something in your heart. And I'm not just talking about, see, a lot of us are are so messed up because we've been taught bad theology. We've been taught, you know, what you do out there is carnal, and when you come to church, that's spiritual. No, if you are a Christian, everything you do is spiritual. All right. So you can't look at this sermon today and say, well, that's good for when I go to church, but it doesn't apply in my family. Or that's great when I'm in the house of God, but it doesn't have anything to do when I'm in my business. No, you are a creation of God, and wherever you go, there is the presence of God with you. And so positioning is not just about something that's quote-unquote spiritual, because everything in your life is spiritual. And so you've got to live from that perspective. So today, when I talk about positioning, it may be about your family. There may be some things in your family that you need to get real about. You know, some of you need to really go ahead and tell the truth about your marriage. You need to say, we haven't communicated in years. Well, glory. See, this is a way I love to do marriage counseling. You know, we have people who do it. I'm just not real good at it. it you know, uh, you, you need to come to that place where you look at your finances and you go, we're in a mess. We're broke. We're busted. We're disgusted. It's rough. All right? You've got to come to that. You may look at your business and go, my business is really doing well. My position, Or or it may be a position of of, of trouble and turmoil. So you've got to be able and willing to fully engage at that point and to say, okay, this is where I'm at. But also you've got to allow the Lord to download into you what he wants for your life. And, And here's what I found out about when God starts speaking to you about what he wants you to do. You will know what God puts in your heart before you will ever know how it's going to come about. In other words, God will say, here's what I want you to do, and you won't have a clue how you're supposed to do it. I want to tell you something. If you are waiting to do something in your life, in your family, in your business, in your ministry, whatever it is, if you are waiting until you have all the answers, you're going to die waiting. Because you're never, ever going to have it all figured out. What if I could just get all my ducks in a row? Have you ever tried to get ducks in a row? Those suckers are moving everywhere. They're paddling so fast, it looks smooth on top, but they are paddling like crazy underneath. I mean, they're going everywhere, all right? The only place I've ever seen ducks in a row is at the Peabody Hotel. I mean, everywhere else, right? They are a mess. And so what you've got to come to is an understanding That there are times in your life that the how, how am I going to do this, seems to be out of sight. And our tendency is, is when we don't know the how, we want to set aside the vision that God has for us. We say, well, I don't know how I'm going to have a successful marriage, so therefore, we'll just make it through. I don't know how I'm going to see my business prosper, so therefore, what will be will be, case sarah. Sarah. No, God has a purpose for your life. God has a purpose for your marriage. God has a destiny for everything in your life, but you've got to come to that place where when you don't understand everything, that you still trust the The hand of God Almighty that He is upon your life and that He is leading and guiding you into all truth. And so, positioning the first thing is there is that positioning puts us into our heart what God wants for our lives. The second thing that happens, though, look in the fourth verse. Verse number four says, So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept, and I mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. The second thing of positioning is this, is that you will gain a desire for change. If you are really called to do something, you will all of a sudden have a desire to change. You you know why churches die? Let me tell you why churches die. Churches die because they don't want to change. We want to sing the same songs we sang 50 years ago. We want to preach the same sermons we've been preaching for 100 years. We want to keep having the same seat that we've always had. We don't want a visitor to show up or a guest to come in because they might get our place. And you know what I found is? Is that I found out that there needs to be some undertakers in the kingdom of God. I would love to have that job. I would love just to be able to walk into some churches and say, this thing is dead and twice plucked up by the roots. Let's shut the door. Because you know what? It puts everybody out of the misery. Wow, y'all are not liking this, are you? All right? So what am I talking about? In your life, there has to come. The Bible says that when Nehemiah heard this, he was moved. Something happened, and he said, there's got to be a change. Now, I want to tell you something. Whatever you are called to will move you. If, you are, if, 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 you, if, if there's something inside of your heart that you hate to see poverty and you hate to see illiteracy and you hate to see, then that is what God's called you to. I found out through the years that I'm called and I know that I'm called to something when it does one of two things to me. Either it makes me angry or it moves me to tears. If I weep over it or if I become angry over it, it's usually meaning that God has called me to do something about it. You know, if if you look at the situation of our world and it breaks your heart to see teenage pregnancy and all the things going on in our society, maybe God is calling you to do something about it. You say, well, pastor, uh, you know what? I'm a nobody. Nobody knows my name. Wait a minute. He is a cupbearer. He is a slave. Nobody knows his name. He is nothing in the kingdom, and yet God is going to take this nobody, and he is going to raise him up to where in 52 days he is going to complete a work that nobody has ever done before. I want to tell you, it does not matter where you are. It does not mean say, well, you know, so the, the, the man's keeping me down. The man ain't, excuse my grammar, the man ain't keeping you down. The Bible says it this way. The Bible says that the heart of the king is in the hand of God and he turns it however he wants it to go. See, you've got to come to that place of saying, wait a minute, I know what's inside of me, and I believe that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, and I declare today over my life that no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I want to tell you something about this thing that gets a hold of you. It will begin to consume you. You'll begin to talk about it. You'll begin to think of L- Listen, you may be making big money over here, but if God's called you to do something else, all the money in the world won't make you happy. I mean, I've seen people who make six and seven figures a year who are the most miserable people on the face of the earth, and I've seen another guy over here just scratching to get by but is happy because he has found or she has found that thing that God has called them to. I want to tell you, there are some things that consume me in the kingdom of God. And I refuse to allow anybody to stop me from seeing what God has for my future. I I think that we've got to get the Nehemiah spirit on us and say, Lord, let this thing get a hold of me. Let me not be one of these timid, quiet people who just kind of goes along in life. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I want some Apostle Peter uh, who's cutting off some ears and who, who's always saying the wrong stuff and hadn't cleaned up his vocabulary completely, but there's some passion. There's some fire. There's something that says life is too precious. Time is too short for me just to kind of phone it in. I believe that God has called me to do something great and powerful, and I'm reaching for my destiny. See, that, that's got to come into our lives. And, and, and some of us, you know, we're, we're at different seasons. Some of you are younger and you're kind of in the uh, springtime of your life, and, and others are in the summertime, and some of us are kind of approaching fall, and some of you are in winter. And yet what I found is, is that I found that people who start approaching fall and winter start giving up. They start checking out. They start saying, well, my life's almost over. Wait a minute. We need to have the spirit of Caleb get a hold of some of you in your 60s and 70s and 80s and say, wait a minute, I am still well able to take this mountain. No, you, let, me, let, me, let me talk a minute to you, all right? There, there was this whole deal. A guy 40 years of age was one of two men who brought back a good report when Moses sent the spies into the land to spy it out. They came back and said, we are well able to take the land. Yes, there's giants, but we can whip them. Forty years later, only two of those guys are still alive, and it's Joshua and Caleb, and Caleb is now 80 years of age. And he walks up to Joshua, and he said, Moses said that that mountain was mine. And I want to tell you, it may be 40 years later, and I may be 80 years old, but I am still consumed with the passion for my mountain. Give me my mountain, because I'm still well able to take it. Some of you need to quit worrying about retiring and start worrying about refiring. Come on, some of you need to stand up straight, back up, and say, wait a minute, I am not going to give up. I am not going to quit. I'm not going to let arthritis, I'm not going to let all the itises, I'm not going to let everything. I am going to do something great for God, and I'm not going to quit until Jesus Christ calls me home because I've got something down inside of me that still consumes me. I pray that however long God gives me on this earth, that I am consumed with a passion for his kingdom. Amen. Amen. I told my wife recently, I was in two or three funerals recently, and I told Sherry, you know how at the end of all those funerals they play those stupid chimes? You know what I'm talking about? I told her, I said, if you play those dumb chimes when I die, I said, I'm coming back. I said, I want something celebratory. I want something exciting because I have finished my race. I have kept the faith. I am in the heavenlies. Don't you dare make it maudlin and sad for me. Now, I got 30 good years or so left, so don't be rushing me. But anyway, th- th- there's, there's got to be this aspect. So it's got to consume you. The third thing, looking in verse 5 and 6. And he said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. And, And he goes on to say, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now. Day and night for the children of Israel. Your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you, both my father's house and I have sinned. Now, here's what he, he asked for. The, the, he, he says this, and if you want to position yourself, this is what he's doing. You've got, thirdly, is you've got to partner with God. Amen. All right? What he is doing here, he is partnering with God. He's saying, God, um, I want to tell you something. I want to do this, but I need you. I want you on my side. Here's, here's the deal about prayer. Prayer keeps you looking. Some of you, some of you say, no, 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 prayer makes me shut my eyes real tight. No, the Bible says watch and pray. That's a revelation for people. The, the, and, and I don't mean that just in the natural. What prayer does is prayer kind of keeps you scanning the horizon. I passed by a field the other day, and there were some guys out there with bird dogs, and, and, and I could see the dogs, and they were, they were kind of looking. I mean, they were, they were scanning to see what was out there. Some of us need, need to get into prayer because prayer is partnering with God. Prayer, watch this, prayer doesn't force God's hand, but it keeps us on the lookout for God's intervention. So it's not I'm making God do something, it's that I'm getting myself in a position to see what God is up to and then I can begin to cooperate with what God is doing. Now now watch what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah prayed for two things and I want to talk about those today. In the 11th verse there, the one that I started off reading when we began this, he, he asked for a couple of things. He, he said, oh, Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant, the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name, and let your servant prosper this day. The, the first thing that he asked for is that, that he asked for opportunity. See, we need to pray for opportunities more than we pray for miracles. Let, let me say that again. We need to pray for opportunities more than then we pray for miracles. Amen. We're always saying, oh, God, if you, if you could just give us a miracle, if you could just bring something wonderful and powerful into my life, that would be really great. Well, you know what? I, I want to tell you something. God is already opening the doors. God is already preparing the way. What you need to do is say, Lord, let me see what you're already doing. What would happen if you rode the wave of what God had already created? You ever been to the ocean? Anybody ever been to the ocean and watch surfers? I've never been a surfer. I couldn't stand up, but I've watched them. Surfers don't create waves. Surfers wait for the wave and they ride the wave in. A lot of us are trying to create something that God's not doing. God says, why don't you look for an opportunity? And so Nehemiah says, God, I'm looking for the opportunity to speak to the king. And when you do that, when I get that, then, then watch what he says. He says, let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of the king. The second thing that he prayed for is that he prayed for favor. He said, God, when I get inside of the king, because I want to tell you, in that society, in that day, if you displease the king, he just cuts your head off. Alright? That's a true monarchy. We don't know what a true monarchy is. The best, best thing we have is kind of, you know, the queen of England, and that's not a true monarchy. The, the word of the king was law, and so if you displease the king, in fact, if you keep reading there, uh, the king will say, you've never been uh, sad in my presence. Well, there's a good reason, because if you're sad in the king's presence, and you make him sad, he'll just kill you. All right, so is always happy, but this day he comes in and he says, God, grant me favor. What he's saying is, Lord, if you don't show up, I'm dead. But if you show up, I'm going to get everything that I need. We need to come to that place of understanding that when opportunity and favor come together, it creates miracles. See, we're, we're asking all kind of things. Recently in my life, I was, I was praying about an issue, and, and I had been praying about it. In fact, I will tell you, I've been praying about that thing for years and years and years. It was a particular thing that I, I felt like God was speaking to me about, and I was praying, and I was saying, God, I, I need you to do this. And every, every so often, I would, I would kind of get a little aggressive, and I would be praying, and I'd be praying. And, and uh, then, then this year, Uh, About November, I was praying one day about this particular thing, and and I felt the the Holy Spirit. I didn't hear an audible voice, but I felt the Holy Spirit said, do something. I said, well, Lord, I'm praying. He said, do something. I did something. And God showed up supernaturally in such a way that it blew my mind. See, a lot of us are praying for a lot of things. Oh, God, I want to have a great marriage. I want to have a great ministry. I want my business to be blessed. And God said, are you looking for what I'm doing? And are you joining with what I'm involved in? And then are you asking for favor? Because if you will bring those couple of things together, you will then see the hand of, the, of God move upon your life and you will have miracles happen on your behalf. But watch, you've got to be willing to position yourself. Where are you today? You say, well, I'm in church. I know that. But where are you in your family? Where are you in your business? Where are you in your education? Where are you in your walk with God? Don't lie to yourself. Don't say, oh, everything's great, when everything's a mess. If you're a slave in the palace of the king, say, I'm a slave. Don't say, I'm the man. And yet that's what I find with a lot of Christians, is that we've never taken the time to truly position ourselves. Here's what I know about positioning in the business world. If you want to be effective in the business world, you have to position your product in the right place. If you want to see something really great in your business and your business is only appealing to 20 years olds, you don't try to sell to 50-year-old. If you have a business selling home health care products. You don't market that to 19-year-olds. Come on. You position it to baby boomers like me who are getting old. And you advertise on shows they watch and on radio stations they listen to, and you position it. The same way about your life. You've got to allow God to position you. But you're never going to get in the right place until you're totally honest about where you are right now. But if you will, then God, in a moment, can raise you up. And you can become a leader that revolutionizes the children of Israel, and their entire history because you are willing to allow God to position you in your life. Now, here's what I want to ask you. How many of you right now, not bowing our heads, not closing our eyes, but you would say, I need to get into the place that God wants me to In 2012, so I can receive everything that God has for me. Come on, hold your hands up. Look at this. That's a whole lot of people. And my hand's up with you. Because I'm saying, God, I want, want, I'm thankful for all, but I want to be in the position that you want me to be.